Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to episode four of Say Why to Drugs with me, Dr Susie Gage, a psychologist and epidemiologist at the University of Bristol. First off, I just wanted to say thanks so much for your support in these podcasts so far. The most recent episode, which was about alcohol, has been the most popular one yet and it's just really lovely to see you guys all enjoying it. So thank you so much for the support. Um, in this episode, Pip and I discuss MDMA, also known as ecstasy. It's a synthesised stimulant that can be taken either as a powder or in a pill. And just before we start the podcast properly, uh, MDMA has been in the news a fair bit since we recorded this podcast. And there's some suggestion that the MDMA available on the street in the UK at the moment is particularly sort of high in strength. It might contain extremely high levels of the drug and this can make it much more likely to lead to accidental overdose, which can be really dangerous. But anyway, I will get on to the effects of MDMA in the podcast. So enjoy as Scroobius Pip and I say why to MDMA. Great. So let's talk about MDMA. Yes. I'm glad you've gone from these let's talk about or discuss because let's do is, which, which is what we are. We're doing these different drugs yeah. and discussing, but it's not, it would give the wrong impression of what these podcasts are. I did once do a talk where it was billed as Susie Gage on recreational drugs. Brilliant. Which was, yeah. I'd had a coffee beforehand, but yeah, so hopefully no one turned up expecting a quite a different show. Yeah. But yes, MDMA. Yeah, 3,4-methylene-dioxy-L-methamphetamine, mm-hmm. if memory serves. Yeah. I did practice that on the train on the Brilliant. way Brilliant, brilliant. It's a synthesised drug. It's mm-hmm. created by people. Generally, it's a white powder or a pill. You swallow it or you snort it. What's the appeal of MDMA? When I was growing up, I believe it's essentially what pills are. You generally just have the vagueness of... You, yeah. Are you going to do pills? That's MDMA and that's more specific and known now. It's the club culture. It's that big boom in the 80s of of happiness and love and joy and friendliness and everyone having a good time. Being a peaceful and friendly drug or in perception of losing inhibitions and so on and yeah. so forth. So it was actually synthesised first in like, I think it was 1912 or 1914. Mm-hmm. Not because they were looking for a substance like MDMA. It was actually a byproduct of they were trying to make something to uh, thin the blood, I think. And it didn't really get 
used or sort of thought about much for years after that. In the 70s in California, it sort of became popular with this guy called Alexander Shulgin. Mm. And he was friends with lots of psychotherapists and actually sort of recommended to them that they use it in marriage counselling. Right. Sort of in a therapeutic environment. But he also, him and his friends, used to take it recreationally and refer to it as a low-calorie martini. Right, wow. Um, So the intoxication effects, if you take it as a pill, the peak effects will come a bit later than if you snort it, so around 90 minutes, but you can be intoxicated for sort of four to eight hours. Yeah. So And again, it's, it's one of the reasons, as we touched upon on other ones, I'm not feeling the effect, I'll do another half, I'll do this, and then you're stacking and stacking and stacking. And because it is one that has a long effect, it's not for an hour or two, if you have stacked and stacked and stacked, that when it all kicks in, that can be a massive problem, you know. Absolutely. So it's a stimulant. Yep. It increases your heart rate. I've said that pretty much about every drug that we've talked about so far. So this, again, can be a risk if you've got pre-existing heart problems. Sure. You can put a lot of strain on your heart. And also, if you do it very regularly, you can put a lot of strain on your heart and your circulatory system. Yeah. It can elicit feelings of euphoria, sort of disinhibition, wakefulness, Mm -hmm. intimacy, um, feeling close to other people. But because it's taken quite often in a club environment where there's lots of people dancing, it can lead to dehydration and to hyperthermia. So your body gets too hot, not right. hypothermia, where your body gets too cold. Okay. So this can potentially be, be problematic as well. And in the more long term, much less is known about the long term effects of MDMA. And this is mm. similar to other illegal drugs where the research just is really difficult to do because yeah. there aren't as many people taking it. It's harder to do observational studies where you need lots of large numbers of people because you need to take lots of other factors into account. Or again, and as many people who are happy to discuss exactly, taking it or be absolutely. studied taking it because of the demonisation in, in those ways. Yeah, you might get a lot more misclassification where people say they're not using but they are or say they are using but they're not because it's illegal, people might not want to talk about yeah, it yeah. or might even not want to enrol in studies in the first of place. Of course. So there's some suggestion that it might be uh, harmful to the liver if, if you use it a lot over long periods okay. of time. Again, because the liver has to break it down so that the body can get rid of it. It's been associated with things like depression, anxiety, panic attacks, potentially insomnia. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not really clear whether this is withdrawal effects of the substance or causation or just that people who take MDMA might be at risk of these kind of things anyway. I've not mentioned this in any of the other ones, but I often feel a lot of the of the hangover or come down effects of certain drugs. It's tough to say how much of it is a physical reaction or how much of it is to the fact that you've been out dancing till four or five a.m. and that has a huge effect on on your body. I always remember the times I'd start to go out with friends where either I, I wasn't drinking but still staying out or whatever else. I'd feel as rough the next day as I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I'd drunk or not drunk or done drugs or not done drugs, it's like, all oh, right, actually, that's partly the actual experience that you're you're engaging in there. Yeah. I think with MDMA, there is a lot of people do report this kind of come down, but yeah. it's sort of a bit more delayed. So it's, it tends to be a couple of days after that. Yeah. You get the expression Blue Tuesday, where right. people think that it's actually two or three days and it's due to brain chemistry sort of right. readjusting. And yeah. There's not a great deal of evidence for that, but certainly anecdotally that's reported yeah. quite, quite frequently. That's interesting. But again, this could be just like if you've had a really righteous weekend and then you're back at work back on to a work and then it Tuesday it suddenly yeah. feels like it's a very long way till the next weekend. Yeah. There's also some evidence that MDMA might affect short-term memory. Mm-hmm. 
But again, it's because it's really, really hard to do this research. I think this podcast is going to feel a bit like a cop-out because there's just <laughs> so little research been done on NDMA. Yeah. So in terms of reporting the science, and this doesn't mean there aren't effects, but it just means that it's really, we don't know what they are. But I mean, that's a hugely important thing. Like Rather than a cop-out, the ability to say, we don't know that, so you can't take either way. Do you know what I mean? Mm. R- rather than saying, here's a tiny bit we know, therefore that's the gospel. It's like, no, here's the bits we do know, Here's all the stuff that we don't know yet, so it's kind of, it's still a risk. It still might not be a risk. It's Yeah, yeah, it's to be taken on your own account in that respect. Absolutely. So, should we get on to myth-busting for MDMA? Yes, let's. Okay, so you need to drink tonnes of water Mm -hmm. if you've taken MDMA. And this is absolutely not the case across the board. Mm -hmm. It became said that that's what you were meant to do in the 80s when... MDMA was really being used in clubs and because of the short-term effects that it has in terms of leading dehydration and increasing your body temperature and when you're dancing a lot you could be you're not sweating properly and you're or you're just getting way way too hot yeah so drinking water was encouraged here clubs were had little chill out rooms where you could go and sit down and giving away bottles of water to try and prevent people from getting ill while they were out dancing but this message wasn't necessarily explained that clearly and certainly it became thought that right, if you are having a bad experience on MDMA, you should just drink lots of water. And while the initial deaths from MDMA tended to be young men who overheated, mm-hmm. after a while it became young women who drunk, who drunk t- so much water much, essentially. Yeah. that they'd actually, their brains had swollen, basically. Certainly if you're my age, you'll know the name Leah Betts. Yeah, in Absolutely. That, that came to mind yeah. as, as an example of that, right? And that's exactly what happened to her. It was just after her 18th birthday, I think. And she'd taken MDMA pills, wasn't enjoying the experience and had just heard, well, you should drink water. Mm-hmm. And she just drank so much water that she went into a coma and she never woke up. And it's yeah, just it's absolutely tragic. Just a bit of information, but not enough. It's, it's the attributing a factor or a situation to a drug rather than to a culture or a scenario. So the fact is the reason the the having to drink loads of water is move the dr- a drug aside is if you're in a club that's sweaty and hot and dancing for five, six hours, yeah. that's what's meaning you need to drink a lot of water rather than you're on pills in that club for that length yeah, of time, if you know what I mean. So if you then remove the club from the situation, then if all of the hype has been around this drug means you need this amount of water, then, yeah, it's 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 misleading. Yeah. And also MDMA, another effect that it has is that it actually makes you go to the loo less. Right. So it's even worse to drink more water if you're yeah, not sweating you're it, it out in, because yeah. you're not getting rid of it in that way as well. Right. Another myth that I heard is that people say, oh, MDMA makes holes in your brain, which is not one that I'd heard before, but apparently it was due to people seeing pictures of brain scans and slightly misinterpreting what they showed right. and thinking that that looked like massive holes in the brain. But the brain actually has three, well, they're not holes, they're called ventricles and they're full of fluid, but yeah. they're meant to be there. It's yeah. okay yeah, if they're yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, they're necessary. And there was another study where, um, oh, I can't remember when it was now, I'll, put, I'll certainly put the link alongside this, but um, it was a man who did some research where he found that NDMA created brain lesions. But he actually retracted that paper a few years later because it turns out that um, he'd actually got the samples mixed up. So he was actually reporting on completely the wrong substance and it wasn't MDMA at all. But these kind of things, the big headlines get in the paper and 
the retractions or the corrections tend to be very small if they ever make it yeah. at all. Yeah, and yeah. I think we talked about this when I came on your podcast. Yeah, a massive headline, it, it sticks with you. It's, it's that. And again, at the time, obviously it then got talked about more, but at the time of Leah Betts, it was pretty straightforward. Pills killed, killed this yeah. young lady. Um, and that was that. Yeah. You know, it wasn't any any great detail. Thankfully, it went into more detail, and, and as said, it's more. There's more awareness now that it was this scenario and this scenario and these things that all came together. But it's easy for all of us as individuals as well. It's bad for the press to mislead, but it's even more common now with Facebook and numerous other things that it's easy to share a shocking headline, and that's all that sticks with you. When you learn that headline wasn't true you're unlikely to share that weirdly because yep. yep. it's kind of ad- admitting error or ad- admitting defeat. You, you might remove your initial post, but you're unlikely to go, everyone, Wait I just want to just yeah. wanna, uh, let you know that that thing that I posted was completely wrong. So it's, it's a dangerous one in that respect. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's sort of the next myth is like MDMA kills people. Mm. It does, but it's very rare that MDMA is solely responsible for someone's death. That's interesting, Quite often, again, because it will of... be one of the higher risk to or thought of as a higher risk type one because yeah. of that. But So then there's a couple of reasons why it seems like it would be the case because you get you get deaths like that of Leah Betts where it's another behaviour undertaken while intoxicated that actually is the harmful behaviour. But also it's the way that the media report these things. So almost every death from MDMA makes headline news. Yeah. Like imagine if that was the case with every death from alcohol yeah, or, or from, from tobacco. tobacco. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there would be nothing else in the papers. Yeah. So you get a really, really skewed picture. I think to pull figures off the top of my head, in 2012, I think it was about 17 people died. I'll put the f- correct figures in a link, but yeah. uh, it was 20-ish in a yeah. whole year. And that was what was on their death certificate as the sole cause. Yeah. When Professor David Nutt did his paper looking at the relative harms of various different substances, he looked across a few years and sort of death certificates that mentioned MDMA as the sole substance or in poly substance and put it as roughly about 10 to 50 deaths from MDMA per year. And although it's a lot less frequently used than other substances, Mm -hmm. even if if you scale it up, it still works out being about a quarter compared to alcohol, for example. So even percentage-wise, regardless of, well, alcohol is drunk by a lot more people, it's still actual percentage-wise, it's still far less. Now, of course, if the number of people who use alcohol were using MDMA, we might have a whole different series of societal problems. So it's very much a back-of-the-envelope calculation, but it's sort of an interesting way to look at it. In terms of what you see from the media, you'd possibly think that MDMA is a lot more harmful than alcohol, but actually Mm. it doesn't seem to be in the way it's being used at the moment. However... Where it becomes a problem is that you're buying a white powder from a dodgy person. Mm. You don't know what's in that white powder. And not only could it be mixed with sort of not very nice things that you don't necessarily want to be consuming, like talcum powder or, I don't know, there were always rumours when I was a teenager that, oh, yeah, they mix rat poison with it. And, like, I don't yeah, know why they would do that. Rat Seems a bit silly. But, detergents uh, and all sorts of stuff. But certainly a big problem might be that it's mixed with other psychoactive substances that you don't right. know that you're taking. And a big problem a couple of years ago was that MDMA became less available for whatever reason on the black market and was replaced by a substance called PMA. Mm-hmm. And uh, this has two features that make it really, really dangerous to people who are experienced with MDMA. And the first one is that it takes longer 
to have an effect. So you take longer right. to feel the intoxication effect. And the second problem is that it's got a much smaller, what's called a window of efficacy. So there's a much less gap between the lowest amount that will give you a positive effect and the highest amount that will give you a positive effect before you tip over into toxicity. Right, so it's such a fine line of here's It's your, really easy to overdose. Here's, here's the small enjoyable section yeah. and here's the easily... The, yeah. the dangerous part. So you don't often hear of people overdosing on MDMA, but on PMA it's really easy to do mm. because... If you're used to taking MDMA, you're used to experiencing the effects after a certain amount of time. Yeah. And if you don't experience that effect, you think, oh, it must be a dud batch, I'll take another one. I was going to say, and that's that's kind of the... And then it pushes you into toxicity. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the vicious circle of the, of the legal status of it is the fact because you're buying it off some dodgy guy, you're still thinking, well, it could be nothing. Mm-hmm. It could be a yeah. paracetamol yeah. it's given me or... Or whatever else. Therefore, you have that. I'll take a bit more. I'll take you, you know, which you wouldn't have. And again, this podcast isn't about the legalization of drugs, but you wouldn't have if you're buying. I know what this does. I will take it, and that's that. You won't be thinking about it constantly. Of, yeah. Have I been ripped off? Have I been? Have I been? Like I should do more, or yeah, you know. But yeah, if you're used to MDMA and then you're accidentally given PMA, it yeah. can be a real problem. And in a way, the way the media reported this wasn't great either, because. It, they said, oh, a stronger version of MDMA. And if you're a, a user, you might think, oh, well, I want a stronger, I want yeah. a stronger high. But actually what they mean is more toxic. It's right. not stronger at all. It's just much, much yeah. more dangerous. The positive effects aren't increased, but the, the risks but the are risks essentially. are really increased. And, and a big problem, as I said, is that you just don't know what you're taking when you buy it off yeah. a random stranger. Yeah, of course. Right, I think that's probably all the myths I've got. So um, what we still don't know, can MDMA have any beneficial effects? So I mentioned at the beginning that before it was made illegal, there were people, psychotherapists, potentially using it in marriage counselling. Well, this was one of the things that anecdotally I've I've spoken about the most since our podcast together was, um, I think, what you can talk about it being used in therapy and things like that, which... As you, I'm sure you remember at the time, just blew my mind because it was so logical. Mm. And my, as you touched upon on the effects, my experiences of MDMA have been a euphoric thing, but also a huge openness. So, one being dancing, which I'm, I'm not much of a dancer. I'm not much of a dancer in public. You know, there's a bit of so that 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 loss of inhibition, but also, I've made some of the deepest friends on a dance floor that I've never seen again since and never want to because of that <laughs> effect of that of that that huge connection and, yeah. and openness felt. So yeah, and and you 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 mentioned that in its purest form it's can be used or has been used or is looking into being used in in therapy sessions essentially, right? Yeah, absolutely. So particularly for post traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. And one of the things that makes it so hard to treat post-traumatic stress disorder is that in order to talk about the trauma that's inducing the stress mm. can often be the thing that triggers yeah. the stress response. So 100%. people just find it incredibly difficult to move on in therapy because they can't confront this. Or therapy can become the, the cause problem. of the stress because yeah. it's that thought of, oh no, on Thursday I have to go and talk about this and that's the scariest, that can be as, as much of an issue. So... That is kind of, yeah, yeah it's an amazing want, thing. Yeah, you just want to avoid anything that might trigger the thoughts that you're having. So the therapy session where you have to talk about those thoughts can be really, yeah. Hugely, and particularly with so much post-traumatic stress, it is, it will cause sleeplessness or night terrors and all these all these horrific things. So anything you can do to avoid a trigger is, mm. is massive. So the thought that your one way of getting help for that is 
to bring it all up and cause that trigger may feel, well, I'd rather just not. I'd rather try and block it all out. So yeah. the idea of using MDMA to to relax in that way, to to have a more comfort in sharing it and getting sharing with an expert your issues and problems and then allowing them to be able to help a bit clearer, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what a therapist has to do is get the person into a really safe environment where they're able to confront these thoughts. And MDMA really does have quite a lot of the features that are useful for that. It's, it relaxes, but it also makes you motivated to yeah. talk about things. It makes you feel closer to someone that you're with, so maybe makes you feel like you can open up. Yeah, but sure. also it makes you feel safer like a or it can do in in the right environment yeah make you feel able to kind of face things that otherwise would be too traumatic to talk about it's fascinating and again the format in which the usage is is, is as fascinating to me because again you kind of think if drugs are going to be used to help anything it's going to be a take two of these a day blah blah, blah which isn't i'd never thought of it as a no you'll be taking this when we're in this this session it'll be uh, measured out or whatever so it's the right amount of time and the right you know a yeah. positive effect and and for that use and that's yeah that's fascinating yeah i mean it's very early days with this kind of research yeah. but, but i mean you can see why why they think it might work and potentially 100%. why it could be really there's, exciting there's loads of logic there and it's it's fascinating that it was we're kind of finally picking up where it was taken off the road so many years ago the fact is as you said that when they first found it that was a logical conclusion then it became this evil illegal thing and that all kind of forget that you know we're not looking into that and now we're kind of at that point of openness to go hang on right how can we use these things Mm. and i think it's interesting the way that substances can have harms and benefits and in fact in the next podcast where we're going to talk about ketamine i think this is a particularly good example of a drug with really strong benefits and really strong harms yeah um, it's really yeah i just think there's so much to learn here that's fascinating i hope they carry on with these PTSD studies because I'm really really intrigued to see where they go. Yeah, it's it's absolutely intriguing and and as I said, I think the reason it's become one that I've talked about the most personal is it's there's such logic there and it's it seems so simple. It's fascinating. And there we go, that's the end of my chat with Pip. Now before I sign off, I just wanted to mention some other research that I found since we did this recording. So this evidence, published earlier in the year, has systematically reviewed all the data on ecstasy use and cognition, so sort of ability to perform certain uh, mental tasks. And it's found that when these studies are combined together, there's a suggestion that MDMA use is associated with a reduction in the ability to perform certain cognitive tasks. Now again, these are observational studies, so There may well be differences in the people who choose to use MDMA versus the people who don't. So it's hard to know whether there wasn't a difference in cognition before anyone used MDMA at all. But nonetheless, this is interesting and could be indicative of the risk to brain functioning from prolonged use of MDMA. Once again, watch this space and as more research is conducted and we get a clearer picture of what's going on here, I will update these podcasts. So thanks again for listening and I hope you'll join Pip and I in a couple of weeks' time when we'll be talking about ketamine. You've been listening to Say Why to Drugs with me, Dr. Susie Gage. The music was by Jim Murray and the artwork was by at My Name is Ad. Thanks to Charlie Williams for editing. Say Why to Drugs would not have been possible without the generous support of I'm a Scientist, Get Me Out of Here, 
the Medical Research Council and Scroobius Pips Distraction Pieces Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.